she's my Japanese queen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, I'm talking and I'm talking in Japanese. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, She's my Japanese. She's my Japanese queen. Hello friends, my guest today is an incredibly talented musician and one of my best friends. He started playing music at an early age, was the drummer for Happy Gnome, the drummer for The Mist Beats, the lead singer of LFD, and is currently the bass player for Hired Hounds. We didn't talk about it, but the Hired Hounds will be going into the studio soon to record an EP. I will put links and stuff in the bio so you can check out all of these past projects. He is, he's one of those people who can basically pick up any instrument and write a song in 20 minutes. He is one of the funniest people I know, and I love him to death. His name is Cody Rondo Pondo. You've been playing music for a long time. Mm-hmm. You've been a drummer. You've been a singer. Yeah, keep going. You, yeah. <laughs> you've been a tour manager, a bus driver. Yeah. No, uh, all sleeping buses. You play bass now for Hired Hounds. I do. Yep. You never, you never did. You never played guitar, lead guitar, but you've basically done everything else. Yeah, we'll go. So I'll start by going back to um, when I was a kid, and my brother's a musician. So Nick got into music when he was probably in his early teens, and uh, he he wanted to be a drummer. And he had a friend that played guitar, or, and they, he just played acoustic guitar, and Nick um, didn't have anything, and I think he eventually got a bass drum, and then he started putting together, like, a makeshift drum kit with, like, five-gallon buckets and shit, and I think he ended up getting a snare, and then, anyways, they were jamming. So you fast-forward through a year or two, all of a sudden, Nick gets a full kit, and we're talking, like, 19... 19- early 90s or mid 90s so there wasn't anything to like record with or anything so they'd set up like i had a a karaoke machine that they'd set up and they'd like record their own little demos nice in the basement of my dad's house and i would sit back and just watch them all the time me and the dude's younger brother uh we just watch watch them jam all the time and i was really into it and then i knew i wanted to play so i got to start playing when i was seven or eight you started playing a real kit when you were yeah, seven or eight? Yeah, yeah. I started playing Nick's kit when I was probably seven or eight and uh, instantly took to it, loved it. I saw Nick uh, and his buddy jam, and I was just like, dude, that's what I want to do. And Nick would sometimes let me play, sometimes wouldn't let me play. He was a dickhead older brother, so if he wanted, if he let me sometimes, it was cool. If not, whatever. But that's that's all you played for a long time, right? Was drums. just drums? Yep. Yeah. Yep, just drums forever. And so years went by, we jammed, jammed, and then uh, we fast forward to getting into high school. I met, uh, well, I've always known Jimmy and Casey, mm-hmm. and uh, they were they were in a, uh, a talent show. I think you guys were in that talent show too. Uh, yeah, yeah. When he, when he, they played the yeah, they played the Green Day song. Yeah, and and uh, they had a different drummer at that time. Cole. It was Cole Hockey. Yeah, Cole yeah. Hockey was drumming with them. And uh, he wore like a, I remember he fucking wore like a, uh, a bandit mask or something to the, <laughs> to the talent show. 
Anyways, I was doing, I, I was like on, I was on the school board. Uh, what do you call it? I was vice president. Or no, I was like USB. publicity. Yeah. ASB publicity ASB, manager. Yeah. And so my job was to like, uh, do something before when everybody's coming in. So I had my little turntable kit that I used to do my DJ thing. It's like, you know, scratching up. Everybody's coming in, everybody's setting up to do their acts. And uh, I got to watch people like practice and or do like their their yeah their pre performance or practices and stuff. So I kind of knew that they were jamming, but we haven't talked yet at this point. So Casey and Brandon and Cole did their Green Day thing. You guys did uh, what? You guys do we played all along the Watchtower. Yeah, that's right. You guys did that. Anyways, you guys end up winning. I remember. And uh, after that, Cole was like done. Didn't want to do. Um, the band anymore. They called themselves like Polywog or something. I can't remember. It was something real stupid. But they, <laughs> he decided he wasn't going to do it. So they had all their stuff set up at Casey's house in the garage, and Cole had his drum set there, but no drummer. Mm-hmm. So Casey told Brandon, hey, I know a guy that can play. I don't know if he plays anymore, but I know he used to play. So he's like, we can ask Pondo. And Brandon's like, okay, whatever. So I went up. With no intentions to be in their band or anything, just to meet them and hey, we'll you weren't jam. even friends with them yet. Not really. I huh. mean, we we grew up together. Me and Casey were friends when we were really young. Like I have a, a, a VHS video of my seventh birthday party, and we're at the bowling alley. We started at my house. Tony Roland was there. Uh, Casey, just a bunch of dudes that uh, I don't even know anymore. But they were at my house, and we went to the bowling alley, and Casey was bowling with us. Mm-hmm. And he wore uh, he wore just nothing but denim, a denim, <laughs> a denim button-up shirt, a <laughs> denim jeans. He was like fucking Jay Leno's turd. <laughs> so uh, we knew each other back then. And Brandon lived – like I lived on Trevitt in 12th or what was that, 13th. And if you go down 13th, about five blocks, Brandon lived there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of – we knew each other. We just weren't friends. Yeah. Well, that's pretty crazy though in a small town like that. They're in a band and they're playing and you play drums and yeah. you guys hadn't made that connection yet. No, not at all. Hmm. Not at all. And and I was just I, I before I was friends with a lot of people who I wasn't friends with at this point. I didn't really I didn't I was kind of like I was like a sophomore year as a transition time where I didn't know who I was, what I was going to do, who I wanted to hang out with, you know. Yeah. I mean, I knew everybody, but I just didn't know where I fit. So, so yeah. Cole, Cole bailed and then you Stepped in. You stepped in. Did you guys become Happy Gnome like pretty quickly? Pretty quick after that. I, I showed up. We jammed. We went through a couple of their originals that they had. And we just, uh, I, was, I was leaving and they asked me, Casey was like, so you want to do this? And I was just like, I don't know. I don't have a drum set. Oh, you could use Cole's. <laughs> well, eventually he's going to fucking want that back. Yeah. I mean, hey, sorry, we got a new drummer. Uh, can you use your drums? Yeah. So, yeah. After- was he pissed? No, because I don't think he, I don't know, we'd have to ask him, but I think he just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And he was doing something else. And maybe Casey and Brandon weren't necessarily what he wanted to do. I don't know. I never yeah. really talked to him about that. Yeah. But I know he eventually, after we jammed a couple more times, and I was like, dude, I want to do this. And Cole got his, <laughs> took his drum set. And so I can't remember if this happened or if I'm, if I'm just making this up in my head but i think joel anders his older brother had a drum set and he didn't want it anymore and i always played it whenever i went over to their house and hung out because they lived right across from the high school and like we'd always go over there and like hang out and shit and i think he let me take it for a little bit and i was gonna buy it but i didn't so then i ended up buying my own drum set down at 
in Portland at Apple Music. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a job with uh, Burgerville and I started putting like a hundred dollars of each one of my paychecks and then got the drum set. And then we were like, fuck it. We're happy gnome. And they already had the name picked out and stuff. Mm-hmm. A friend of ours drew the logo for, for us. And then or that was just like a thing that she drew for him. And they were like, that's kind of our name. And I was like, that's kind of stupid, but yeah, <laughs> happy gnome, I guess. What the fuck is a happy, what is happy gnome? Does that mean anything? And they're just like, no. That's the thing about band names. It usually doesn't mean anything. You just got to pick something that somebody else doesn't have. Like fucking corn. Yeah. Or something, you know, or, uh, you know, any, any, any ask, band, name. any bands. Yeah. You ask them, none of them really, I don't think a lot of them don't have any substance or meaning. Yeah. Tool. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I, what I was getting at is like, uh, anybody who knows you knows that like you're pretty extroverted and outgoing yeah. and fucking wild card yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in all the years that you've been playing music and performing and everything, mm-hmm. do you ever get nervous? Um, yeah, actually, I really get nervous. I do. I get. Um, I do, and I don't. I guess anymore. Uh, the day of my biggest thing, like if we're playing on a Saturday, is to limit myself. Don't try to overcall my nerves by drinking too much mm-hmm. or you know doing whatever too much because. Sometimes I'll do that just to kill the nerves too early, and it just it can train wreck a set real bad. And I never want – I always want to be – I always 110% to whatever I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, I get nervous. I do. I It depends. Our last show that we played at the Hawthorne Hideaway was fucking, like, big. There was a lot of people there, and I didn't expect that because of COVID. It was supposed to be a very limited, like, only letting a certain amount of people in. Mm-hmm. And the bands that we played and stuff brought a shitload of people. So it was like packed. And I was like, oh my God, we're doing this again. So I got nervous in that one. Um, but yeah, I do. I get nervous every time we play. Every time I have to do any performance or anything, I just... D- does it change based on what you're playing? Because you play drums for bands. You've sang for oh, bands. You've, yeah. Like, are, do you get more nervous when you're singing? I No, I got way nervous the first time I played bass uh, for Hired Hounds. We had a gig and... Uh, they talked me into playing bass for them, and I, I knew how to play bass. I didn't know any chords, any roots, any, like, scales, anything. I just kind of, which I still do, just kind of, we stay caught in the pocket, and I just kind of, whatever Jordan's playing, I kind of just try to stay in that pocket. Mm-hmm. And we had a gig in Hood River for a friend of ours. son passed away, like, years ago, and they do an annual um, thing for him like every year and, and they did it at the underground in hood river and uh they asked hired hounds to play and we only had like four songs maybe you just, five you just play them three times in a row yeah exactly <laughs> wait a minute we already heard the shit start it over no we had like four maybe four originals one cover and my dad came and we loaded things in and it was like our first gig but everybody was treating us like We've been playing forever. Like there was like a green room kind of thing where all the bands put their shit. Mm-hmm. And like we went in there and they're like shut the door. Like don't let anybody in here except the band. And I was just like, fuck. So I'm like going through the songs. Uh, some friends from Portland came down with us. And like I was probably the most fucking nervous that I've ever been for a show for that one because I've never played bass in a band. Yeah. You know, if I was singing, I probably could have been like, okay, I could do this singing was my least nervousness yeah. with LFD. Because, dude, I, I mean, my instruments, my voice, as long as I'm not, I didn't lose it the night before or I still have it, and I trained my vocals to fucking be able to scream and hit all that shit, mm. like, it, it never, 
that was my least nervousness with, with music. But yeah, the bass was fucking. I was like, well, well yeah, it's probably because that's what you've been playing the least. Yep. Right. I yep. mean, you've been playing drums for fifteen years, twenty yeah. years, so. Yeah. You could play a show tonight on the drums. You probably, probably wouldn't care that much. No. Nah, like Happy Gnome, when we did our reunion, I, I was totally 100% confident that we were going to. We only practiced like four times before that in fucking the last nine, eight years. But we practiced. The times that we did practice, I'd go to the Dallas and we would jam from 11 o'clock till fucking 7 o'clock. So we'd do like eight-hour band practices. Yeah. And we would fucking okay, write down every single song we ever thought we ever did. And what we can remember for him. So we did that. How many were there? Oh, dude, tons. A lot really? more than I ever thought. Yeah, we probably had in our in our catalog like 30, and I mean not a lot of time, but like 30 plus songs that of originals. Well, probably 20, 20 plus originals and then a bunch of like stupid shit that we covered. But we had a lot more than I thought. Like we covered, I think our set was like 12 or 13 songs, which is like probably seven more than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was insane. That was so cool, though, coming back and doing that. Like, Brandon bought himself a new amp because he didn't have his bass amp anymore. Casey got all of his stuff, you know, out of the closet that he hasn't played with forever. Mm-hmm. Like, all of Casey's stuff came out of the closet. And then uh, I was fucking playing my brother's uh, Gretsch kit that has been sitting forever since he's been locked up. So I was, like, matching some stuff I had on some stuff he did. And uh, we have video footage of us jamming in the basement. It was really like it was just like being in high school again yeah except we're in brand's basement and there's a bunch of fucking black widows around us being like why are you stirring up dust and playing (laughs) loud music we're trying to fucking you know live in this basement yeah it's cool i i wish i would have made it for that i i think you guys should play more i think we we talked about it um we were gonna possibly do a show at the Hawthorne Hideaway, there they, they come up on this a little bit more. On the Hawthorne Hideaway show that um, that Hired Hounds did, the owner of R- Route Thirty uh, Bar and Grill from the Dallas came down to watch our show <laughs> because um, Conflict Radio was going to be playing there, and they wanted to check out some other bands. And then the guy talked to me about having Hired Hounds play in two weeks from there down there, and we really don't have any. Desire to play down in the gorge or Dude, down in the Dallas. You should set up a show where Happy Gnome plays, yeah. then LFD, yeah. and then Hired Hounds. You well, just switch instruments for yeah, every single set. I don't know. I, I don't think LFD would do it. I think maybe maybe James would and stuff, but I, I haven't talked to some of them forever. Okay. Well, I didn't think we were going to get into this that quickly, but we could, we could do it now. Uh, being in a band is hard, right? Fuck. You got all these different personalities. And big time. Big time hard. Hard, hard, hard sometimes. Sometimes. Very, very hard. Like, it's like you have four girlfriends or three girlfriends yeah. or whatever, or some of them fucking think you're married. Yeah. So catering to everybody's needs, wants, or egos is hard, you know? I mean, we all have our day jobs, and we all, this is what we do for fun. Well, then you include their girlfriends, yeah. right? And then you have their girlfriends. You get fucking Yoko hanging out. Are there are their goddamn whoever, you know, uh, influencers are, whether it be their friends or family or girlfriends and whatever. Yeah. And then you start drinking and stuff, and then all of a sudden everybody has everybody has their own opinion on how things are going to be or how things are going to work. Or then their girlfriends or wives want to say how what they – and we're like, I don't give a fuck. You know, like, I mean, I love my wife, but – 
um, if she's watching this, baby, I love you. But she knows <laughs> with the band and the band decisions and stuff. Generally, that's it's the band and the band decisions, you yeah. know. And then I will never like if if somebody has the anniversary, which we've played shows with. Where <laughs> actually, almost every year we play a show with, when Greg has an anniversary, which kind of sucks. But his wife's very good about it. But yeah, dude, it's hard. It's fucking. It can be hard, really hard at sometimes. You got to give a lot, and then uh, uh, you know you got to be open minded to everybody and then schedules scheduling yeah it's been really easy lately because everything's been shut down with the pandemic and stuff but like i'm usually the one that books the gigs and shit and i have to remember sometimes like a really good opportunity i think will pop up for us whatever band i'm in or whoever i'm playing oh my and i instantly want to be like fuck yeah we'll do it you know i'll hit back yeah yeah we're gonna do it and then i have to remember wait i gotta see what blah 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 is doing who's doing where they're going are they going on vacation we're in summer you know, scheduling wise. Yeah, it gets harder when you get older. When when you're yeah when you're in your twenties and nobody has jobs and everybody's broke, nobody has kids, nobody has wives. Nobody like, cares. Yeah. If you just like all in, mm-hmm. then you can kind of just try to write it. But yeah, that's also the 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 hardest time to uh, to make anything happen, just because you you have to go all the way in. Right. You know, all all those bands that made it. Oh yeah. Everybody that's made it, I've thought I've thought about that a lot uh, recently. I actually had a really vivid dream last night. Who was I talking to? I think I was talking to Mark Kimmel, <laughs> and he was asking me like we were just about my band was just about to go on stage, and he was just he was asking me. He's like, "So, you ever think about just doing this for for a living?" And I was like, "I think about it all the fucking time." I was like, "But I don't know if I don't, I'm not sure if we're ready." I said, "But I know." Myself in my dream was saying, but I know I want to put 110% in from now on because not because I'm getting older and this has to happen now, but like you just said, it's also being at the right place at the right time and knowing the right people and talking to the right people and and a lot of communication and a lot of willing and dealing. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it's just being lucky too. Yeah, for sure. It's circumstance. And like if, if Nirvana came around today, they wouldn't have been as successful as they were. It's like you have to you have to hit a certain demographic and you have to like hit a certain moment in time. Right. Otherwise that shit doesn't happen. You can't be five minutes late or five min or uh, five years late or five years early. Right. Like that's why things happen when yeah. they happen because like something There's a window or something yeah, there's of like, opportunity. Yeah. Well Nicole told me about there's this book she read uh called it's called the Outliners or something. Have you ever heard of that? Outliers. Outliers. Is that what it is? Malcolm Gladwell, I think. Yeah, I've never read it. <laughs> Not a huge book reader, <laughs> but uh, she was telling me about it in the book. Pretty much, um, and like I said, I'm just quoting this. I don't know. It like pretty much in time. There's people that are born in the right time and the right like in the right like. There's certain people that are born in the right time, right place, right time. And it's just, it works out perfect for him. Mm-hmm. And she said stuff like kids that are older, like we held Shannon back in kindergarten. Now he's the oldest kid in his class. Yeah. And maybe that will help his baseball because yeah. he's bigger or older and blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, dude. Uh, do you remember Josh Mellum? Yeah. Yeah. He he was in our grade, in That's my right. grade. That's right. Yeah. And his birthday was in August. Uh-huh. And he was really short and really small. So his parents held him back. His parents held him back in eighth grade 
And we never talked to him again. And he was like, one of the smartest kids. Like, he didn't need to be held back, right? He was right? so smart. Super but they, smart. they kept him back because they wanted him to hit his growth spurt yep. so that he'd get bigger for baseball. Yeah. But, like, in, in the process, like, totally derailed his – like, can you imagine getting held back in eighth grade? Yeah. All your friends are going to high school yeah, and you've got to do eighth grade over again? And you're what like, the what fuck, the fuck? Man? I remember going to eighth grade and him being in some of my classes and him and, uh, yeah. Corey, him and Corey were, like, really good friends. Um, I know we were going to drop names, but it's not the, it's not stupid. It's so not bad. Him and Corey were like best friends. I remember. And I remember going to a class and, and Josh is in there and I'm just like, and I think he was, I think he was felt bad about it. He's probably pretty embarrassed too. Like, like there's no reason why he should have been held back besides his growth in the sport and to do better in sports. Yeah. And I remember asking him, I was a dick. I was like, why the fuck are you back here? I mean, shouldn't you? And he's just like. And I think Corey put me up, dude. He doesn't want to talk about it. It's for sports, and you would you wouldn't understand. And I didn't understand because I wasn't yeah. a jock, and I didn't understand the whole thing, you know. But with Shannon, I think we got lucky. Like we didn't even make that decision consciously about it was because he was a little bit behind in his studies. Mm-hmm. And Nicole and I were like, well, best to hold him back now. Then he's like fourth and fifth grade, and all the kids are like, "What the hell? Why is Shannon getting held back?" Yeah, because when you're kindergarten, they're just like, "Nah, who know?" Yeah, I mean, what are you doing in kindergarten anyway? No, like eating snacks and eating snacks and playing. Uh, Playing blocks. Playing blocks and, yeah. Yeah, dude. And, like, getting colds from other kids, snotting <laughs> those brats. So, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. But now, now that Nicole's back to what we were saying with perfect time, per- places and time, she kind of was explaining this to me one day, and I was just like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. It's true, man, because think about it. Like, all those people that made all that incredible music that we grew up on, mm-hmm. you know, like all the, the alternative stuff that came out in the 90s, mm-hmm. all those guys and gals were born like the late 60s. Right. So their parents were like going through the whole uh, hippie transition, hippie love, summer of love, that whole like revolution, you know, right? fuck the Vietnam War, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so they were like molded in that idea or True. at least it was like something they could they could see on tv or whatever and they grew up and they can't they went through the 70s and then the 80s man like fuck the 80s so they, yeah <laughs> we were grew, we were born in the mid 80s yeah. so it's like and they sucked like now what we get <laughs> we're, i'm like i'm lucky i'm even playing or doing anything because like what the hell did the 80s have besides like duran duran and fucking billy idol uh flock of seagulls and billy idol yeah <laughs> And now they try to kind of bring back that music, and it's just like, no, man. Yeah. Hell no. Well, Electronic fucking post whatever. Dude, it's weird, too, because like— Cocaine burnout music. I feel like uh, I feel like when we were younger, I think the people—not everybody, but like a lot of people aspired to becoming musicians or mm-hmm. like being in a band or getting—you know, like mm-hmm. that was like— that was the dream. Right. You could you could get in a band. You could get famous. You could fucking tour the world. Yeah. And whatever. Now, dude, I don't feel like kids really that that's not like the dream. The dream is you can uh, a YouTube star. You can be a YouTube star or you can play, play video Fortnite games Fortnite and, and people watch you people do will it. watch you play Fortnite. Millions, millions. Yeah. We just watched my friend's kids the other day. And they put on some thing where the grandparents were zombies and you had to walk through and kill all these people people in the zombie house that they lived in and i'm like i came home i was watching them, I'm like don't you guys want to just play this video game no we watch people playing it i'm like how many people do that we look there's like 15 million viewers that watch yeah. that fucking video and i'm like mm. and then shannon's told me a bunch of times he's like oh this guy's a real he's an influencer who what the hell is that oh well he plays games and people watch him or he does a youtube channel and now it's like what do you want to be when you grow up we were like, we want to be a rock star. I watch MTV. I mean, I've seen some cool bands. They're like, I want to be on YouTube. And then when I tell Shannon and his friends that I'm going to come do this podcast and stuff, 
Whoa, Maxwell has a podcast on YouTube? How fa- how many subscribers does he have? <laughs> how many views do you think? Maxwell can- has nine subscribers. Yeah. What a douche. <laughs> He's like, how many people are going to watch this? I'm like, <laughs> tens of 20s to yeah. maybe 100. And they're like, his grandma Pff. and a few other people. Yeah, they're like, my dad might watch it. A couple people might watch halfway through. But yeah, everybody wants to be a YouTuber. And I mean, that's okay, I guess. It Whatever. is. That's, that's a new thing. I guess every generation has... Like everybody had, you know, a long time ago, it used to be, uh, I want to be an astronaut. Right. I want to be a firefighter. Yeah. I want to be a police officer. Nah, you know, you like that shit anymore. No, nobody, nobody cares about any of that stuff. Yeah. Career day today, they'd be like, uh, man, I want to be on YouTube and have a million followers. Yeah. I want to be PewDiePie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I want to be Maxwell's kitchen. No, nobody's <laughs> saying that. Good one day. One day. Maxwell grew up. A, look, he's, look, kids, he's a YouTube star. <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah, no, it's weird how how it changed. Like, and that's part of the thing that makes me kind of feel old. It's right. like I don't understand it. I'm like, like what you said. I'm like, you guys are watching someone play a video game. Play games, play games. That's what they're doing. They're what the hell is that? Something's in my head. Yeah, they're watching people watch people play video games. What's wrong with kids? They don't want to be rock stars anymore. No, they don't. They don't want to. Die early from an overdose? Yeah, they fuck. Come on, man. Set your goals low like we did. <laughs> and then one day you'll be in Northeast Portland doing a podcast talking about how you should have been a rock star. But yeah. Now you're yeah. Not. Well, yeah, that, that, that goes back to some other things I was thinking about But when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. Uh, when, when I was a kid, I wanted to be... Uh, a baseball star. I wanted mm-hmm. to play sports. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be Ken Griffey Jr., you know? Right. And I realized I sucked at sports. And then I found... Calling mine now. I realized um, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, and then I got into music. Yep. And I started playing music. I bought that guitar from Irvin for 40 bucks. Yep. And I started doing that. And I was like, this is cool, man. Yeah. And I thought that the dream was to eventually get famous. Right. You know? And that's what I... That's the the vision in my mind that equaled success. Right. But now that I look back on it, like it's easy to say when I'm just like a dude who lives in Portland. But like I don't know if being famous would be cool. No. I've thought about that too. I thought about like how cool it would be. My whole life I wanted to be famous. Yeah. I wanted to be somebody. I wanted people to fucking know who I was. Am who I was, what I am. I I remember being as young as I can remember, just being like dancing at Watonka football games. My grandpa's, I'm he's in the stands and I'm down there. Like they see me dancing for these girls and they're giving me money and stuff. And my dad being like, Jesus, this kid now he knows he can make money doing it. Fuck. <laughs> and I just loved it and I love attention. I I am. I do, I still I like like being the person that makes people happy in a room, you know, mm-hmm. at my expense too. I think back in my early 20s and stuff, I would have broke my fucking bones doing stupid shit if I can get laughs out of it. So I always, you know, it, and then being in bands and being social like that, it just went hands in hands. However, I think without getting into it too deep, if I would have been handed that fame and, and shit at too early, like Shannon's early life or something, and LFD would have went complete and we would have got signed and shit who knows if i would have been alive still because i'm an extreme person too oh, dude, me too <laughs> like, me too you, you give me dead. an inch dude i'll fucking take the mile yeah. you know so who know like maybe it was like just wait hold on you're gonna be writing uh jingles for underwear commercials later 
<laughs> and you can quit your job. <laughs> like Trent Reznor, she, Nicole was blown away that she hit me up the other day and she's like, do you know who wrote and who got Grammys for that movie Soul for doing their whole score of the music? And I'm like, movie? I'm like, without even Googling it, I'd say Trent Reznor. Uh-huh. Oh, you, you, fuck, you Googled that. I was like, no, that's what he does. That's how he makes a lot of his money. Yeah. Behind the scenes. That's what he does now. Music. Dude, yeah. he, he makes stuff for David Fincher. Yeah, he all does the David all Fincher kinds movies. of shit. Mm-hmm. And he has so much credited just, just in that aspect. And see, I don't think I'm a behind the scenes guy, maybe, but um, fuck, it'd be fun. It, I don't know. It would it have been awesome. It would have been great. But I, I YouTube tons. Uh, I'm really into knowing not just the artist, but their story. Mm-hmm. So the there's a lot of sad stories that come with art, people that are famous, like even comedians. Fucking musicians. They have some sad stories. Well, dude, that's usually what it takes. You're nobody wants to hear a story about how your father was a hedge fund manager at Goldman Sachs. Right. And is a multimillionaire. Right. And you drove a fucking Rolls Royce when you were in high school and right. then you yeah, did like, something. Great, they're great. like, okay, cool. No, yeah. people want to hear the story. Like, dude, uh, DMX right. just died. Right. And I never listened to DMX. Right. I, I don't really listen to hip hop, but mm-hmm. like, I'm fascinated with him as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And when I saw that he- And his I, 15 kids. He's got a lot of kids. A lot of fucking kids. <laughs> DMX, baby. <laughs> Busting nuts. <laughs> what you want? Uh, when I saw that he, I think he OD'd and then his brain stopped working. He had a heart attack. Is that what it was? He, sm- he was a crack smoker. He yeah. loved smoking crack, dude. He oh, was dude. he was into fucking methamphetamines and smoking crack. Yeah. So I think from what I read, he was getting high or probably on a bender, bender or whatever, and he fucking had a heart attack. So he had a heart attack, he had an overdose, and then he had a stroke. And then yeah. he went brain dead. And then he went brain dead. And dude, you're not going to recover from that. <sighs> Even if you do. Even if you do come out of that, you're never going to be the same. No, no. It's really good that he died within a couple of days or sure. whatever it was. I said holding on to that, but yeah. When when, uh, when all that went down, um, dude, I hadn't thought about DMX since high school. Yeah, I don't either. really care. And his book on Amazon just started fucking flying off oh, the shelves. Oh, absolutely. And dude, I'm. it's in my, my cart right now. I want to buy it and read it because apparently he just had like one of those super tragic, crazy lives uh, that – led to him getting famous like yep. dude that's what that's what it takes in a lot of situations is somebody who because there's there's a million people who have that life and they just nothing ever happens right and, you know they they go to jail or they fucking die or whatever but he found a way out of it somehow yep and that's like if he wouldn't have lived that life he wouldn't have made it to where he was no he probably would have died a lot younger yeah and ironically he was real religious too i don't oh, know really? if you know that about him yeah he was like an ordained minister towards the end of his life so mm-hmm. he like he had he i think he had one of those on his head kind of like a lot of people very 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 close people that i know that have had that are like um they're their own worst enemy because they're convicted by being religious and having these rules and things that he needs to be or aspire to be but he is so addicted to drugs and his lifestyle is so this way it like before they had shows and stuff he'd be like you know his songs going into fuck, you know, blood on my dick because I fucked the course, blah, blah. But before they're like, dear Lord, I just want you to please come above me. Come on me and let me lead these people into what? You know, fucking yeah. just, and it's just like, okay. But I get it. He's conflicted, you know? He's dealing with his own his own conflict in his own mind, which is cool too. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild though, man. Like, mm-hmm. But I, it's a it, margarita, by the it's way. It's not bad, right? It's not bad. Um, but it's not like he's going to... 
what is he going to do? Just go clean and become a minister? No. 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 His lifestyle's too, it's too extreme. It's too, well, too many people fucking live off of what, you know, his fans and who he is. They like, once you become that big and that who you are, it, that's what you are. Well, do, do you know about MC Hammer? A little bit. I know he has some killer ass pants and he can dance like a motherfucker. Dude. And he was too legit Sweet to quit. Hair too. Yeah. Uh, he, dude, he fucking blew up in the early 90s and made a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. And he was such a generous, generous person. He was just, he's taking care of his aunts and his uncles, and everybody, his nephews and his cousins. And dude, he, he, and his dancers, man, he's paying his dancers. I don't good, know. Good money. Really good money. Right. He was broke as shit within a couple of years. Yep. And then, and then he, I know he got signed to Death Row Records. Did you know that at one point? He got signed to Death Row Records. He was part of Suge Knight's little posse and stuff. Like he went real dirty and dark and stuff. But he now also, fast forward, is a minister. He, yeah. They I've all come that. back to, to, to God, yeah. you know, and to being after they lost their money and everything. Everybody except Vanilla Ice. I don't think he likes God. I don't think God likes him either. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, but, uh, I, I, I like to imagine he just hangs out with Kid Rock all the time. <laughs> Kid Rock are just, just like on Trump's rallies and shit. Like they got their me- mega hats on being yeah. like, and he's like, yo, Ninja, yo, Ninja, yo, <laughs> Trump 2024, yeah. do the right thing. But yeah, like all the, all the black uh, rappers, I think they, uh, they go back to being ministers, which it probably has a lot to do with their upbringing too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Well, that, that's the cool thing about Christianity, right? You can do whatever you want. Yeah, as long as you pray like hell on your deathbed, you're getting in there. Exactly. Go kill fucking 95 people and sleep with a bunch of kids. But hey, as long as you say you're sorry <laughs> to Jesus before you die, it's taken care of. Uh-huh. They're going to be real pissed when they find out we're living in a simulation theory, uh, simulation simulated module when you're dead. That's another thing. Yeah, the question is, whose who's simulation is it? The aliens. Aliens? That one dude that's in the ancient aliens that has the fucking crazy hair, I think he got it all right. <laughs> the guy on uh, History Channel? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. he's on to something. God, I get into some rabbit trails, dude. I, I don't know if you're the same way, but on YouTube and stuff, I'll start looking up uh, somebody's net worth or what uh, where, what Ch- what's Chino Marino up to these days. I know he's living in Portland. Cool. And before you know it, I'm like, oh, God, simulation theory. and mm-hmm. our, uh, 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 the What's it called? The... Uh, the Mandela effect and like, you know about all that, like how... I've heard of it before, but... It's like how things like the Bernstein Bears are really the Bernstein Bears and how things have been changed throughout our... Like Jiffy, uh, Jiffy oh, Peanut yeah. Butter is now Jiff Peanut Butter, but was it really Jiffy before? Yeah, it, it just changed or you think it changed, but maybe it didn't and it was just always that thing. That's and it goes back to before I even know what the Mandela effect is. When Happy Gnome had our had our CD when we recorded, I, I had this poem called "Death" that I uh, that I um, read before the song "Death," and at the end, uh, one of my, the one part of the poem was was yesterday the same as today with minor alterations to create an illusion so great that one wouldn't recognize. What happens if I do? How do you remember that? I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day, but that was the end of the poem. Seems like yesterday is the same as today, but somehow we've spliced it and changed it. And now I fucking remembered that it was this way. So what happens when I remember that? And when I wrote that at the time, I think I was huffing gas. So I don't, I don't think it was, I think it was just like, whoa, man, yesterday's the same day with minor alterations and creating this illusion. It's so deep, great. bro. But um, I remember I handed it in for English and Mrs. Uh, Who's your guys' uh, landlord? Remember when you lived by McManus and stuff on 11th Street? She, she, was she a teacher? She was a teacher. 
I can't not remember her name. I know who you're talking about, yeah, but, but she, I can't remember her name. She asked me, she's like, you're a musician, so don't you do poetry? So I gave her that poem, and she had a book published for kids that did poems, mm-hmm. and she put my fucking poem in. She asked if I could. I said, yeah, she put that poem in there. She changed some of the words because some of them were, you know, fuck or whatever. But she published one of my poems, and then— She trying to take credit for your— No. She didn't try to take credit, but she put my name in a book and stuff, but— she published it and she was like, that's crazy. And I'm like, I don't even know what it means. She goes, yeah, you don't know what it means, but I've read it a million times and it, it means something. And now that I'm a fucking old ass conspiracy theorist, I look at that last word. I'm like, who was saying that to me? Dude, it makes me wonder. I've thought about this a lot. Like, it makes me wonder if the, the sweet spot is kind of like maybe 16 to 26. Right. Where like something cool is happening in your brain. Right. And that's when a lot of artists produce their best work. Like right. Maybe somehow, maybe it's just because you haven't like gotten into the rut of being a 37-year-old with right. three kids. You know what I mean? Like, right. You're still in like this weird zone where you don't quite know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going to go and you haven't figured the world out. And like. Well, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a. An empty nester in two and a half years. But know? what I'm saying is that your brain was different then. Oh, gotcha. In a, like, you couldn't have written the thing you wrote then now. No, probably not, no. And it still doesn't make sense to you. No. Like, you wrote it when you were fucking, what'd you say, 17? 16. Yeah. 15, 16. Like, what is that? It's like that? my kid writing that and then me reading it and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Yesterday, the same as today. Yeah. You huffing gas? You, yeah, let me smell your breath, dude. D- Diesel, good yeah, shit. Yeah, all right. Good shit. All right. <laughs> yeah, but it started like, I can't even remember. It's like talking about the clowns saturate their teeth in filth and fucking just all this shit. And now I wish I had it written down somewhere, but I could write it down and, and it, like, it, or if I, like, I just got Happy Gnome's old EP or whatever we did. And, and that was at the beginning of it. So I was listening to it. While we were practicing to do our, our reunion gig, and that's when I was like, oh, yeah, that was really cool. That was really cool. It's got to be pretty cool to uh, be a high school teacher and you just get to witness – or even a college, like a professor or something. You get right. to witness – like when, when you are that age, you think you're, – you're trying so hard to think that you're grown up and you're right. – you want respect and all this kind of stuff. And you don't want people to treat you like a little kid, but you don't realize that you are just a little kid. Yeah. And then to be somebody in charge of like teaching those kids mm-hmm. and like allowing them to investigate ideas and everything, that's yeah. got to be such a crazy job. Yeah. You just get to witness all these people just with like the most later, insane ideas. And they'll then ever later have. on, you see them or you hear about their progression and what they've done. You know, like we've been, we went to school with people that are doctors and shit now, you know, and I, we've also been to uh, school with people that are junkies mm-hmm. and then everything in between all of us that punch into our jobs and do our fucking job Monday through Friday or whatever schedule you're working at. Like we got a party with all of our friends the other night and thinking, seeing what everybody's doing now mm-hmm. and talking, like I got to talk to each individual person that was at the party at your house mm-hmm. and be like, oh, wow, you're doing that. Oh shit. You're doing this. Oh, that's cool. You know, but everybody's doing something, mm-hmm. but everything's different. Yeah. And, and, and is it what you thought you'd be doing when you were 16? No. Me neither. I would never know. I was going to fucking be looking at polls and like writing up violations and stuff to different correlate to different companies to fix their shit you know so okay so what do you, what do you think what what would be better what what do you wish you exactly. were doing exactly i don't know i don't i i talked about this to farger the other day we were at work and we we're like dude i'm tired of fucking doing this shit 
Like everybody's had this conversation with their best friends or whatever. They're like, dude. And then Farger said the same thing. He goes, yeah, but what could we do that would make us feel better about what we're doing? Yeah. And I was like, hmm. Same here, dude. I like, don't know. I, I've been doing what I do long enough where I don't really care about it anymore. Like I don't get anything out of it. Right. I'm good at it because I've mm-hmm. done it for a long time. Right. I make decent money. I have no – I can't go do something else and make the same amount of money. Exactly. And so like exactly. I, I'm kind of stuck where I am yep. and I would quit and do something else. But like what am I going to do? But then you're going to give up all the things that you – you know, we go to these jobs and we do these things to pay for uh, things that we really don't need. And Nicole and I came to that realization about two years ago and we downsized. We thought, we thought we had, I had like a storage unit in the Dallas full of fucking shit that we just kept taking from point A to point B to point A to point B. Just go, go, go. I was like, we never even see this shit. So we got rid of all of it. When my brother went to prison, I had to put him, his stuff in a unit and I had to get rid of mine. I was like, we're getting rid of ours. So I got rid of our shit. Then we went to our apartment. We started looking through and taking stuff out. We don't need this. We threw away probably a third of our life with like two years ago. Yeah. And I feel so much better about it. I could probably do it again. Mm-hmm. But then I start like my big thing is music equipment. I have a shitload of it. And I have yeah. it in little places everywhere because I live in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Oops. But I could get rid of most of that, a lot of that too, yeah. you know, and be fine. But I have an unwritten rule not to sell or get rid of. Music, There's some stuff not worth getting rid of, like uh, I don't know, like some crazy effects pedal from the '60s, yeah. you know, like shit like that. Yeah, I hang on to stuff like that. But dude, I moved so often when we were younger. I would move every six months, right? So I never owned a couch. I never owned a bed. Right. You know, I just have like a mattress. That but you're recently the just getting new furniture. Yeah, dude, that's the, the couch you saw the other night. That's yeah. the first couch I bought. See, now that you say that, I didn't I'm even 37 think, years old. I didn't even think about mentioning that. And I remember you being sitting on your floor and you're talking to me on Marco Polo. I'm like, Max, well, you sit on your floor and you're like, fuck. Is that it? There's the one that was in the living room. <laughs> and then we brought it here and I didn't have a couch for four days. So like, I sat shit. on the floor. Well, that's a nice couch and it fit everybody on it. Exactly. This one, this one's too small, dude. There's no way all those no. people wouldn't fit. Well, and you moved your TV now, I think, to this part of your house instead mm-hmm. of it was over yeah. here. Yeah. It looks good, Maxwell. Thanks. You're growing up, buddy. I'm, you're getting. I'm becoming an cheers. adult. You're getting. Yeah, you're getting yourself some furniture. If it wasn't for Nicole, I probably wouldn't have any fucking furniture. Or anything, dude. It, it's one of those things that like I don't really want to spend money on. I'd always just wait for my parents. To get new stuff. Yep. And, and then, then they you get their old like, shit. I get their old shit. Yeah. yeah. We did it too. Yeah. We, we used to, every time Nicole's parents upgrade to something, you, if the other kids don't want it or don't need it, like we bought their leather couches for real cheap, really nice leather couches. And we did the same with their washer and dryer. Nicest washer and dryer I've ever owned, but they upgraded and got something better. Mm-hmm. So we get that. Dude, it reminds me of that. Uh, I think it's in old school where Will Ferrell's like, the, guy, <laughs> the guy's like, what are you doing today? And he's like, Oh, you know, me and the wife, we're going to go down to Home Depot. Oh, yeah. You know. Nice kinda... little Saturday. <laughs> yeah. And if we have time, yeah, we'll go to Bed Bath & Beyond or something. Yeah, yeah. And they're sitting there like, you want a beer bog? And he's like, do it. And or he goes, he's like, I'll do one. And he feels so good once it hits your lips. Fill another one. Frank the tank. God damn it. That is me, dude. Yeah. As soon as no, I'm I like, hey, okay, babe, we're going to go have a couple drinks tonight. Our friends are going to whatever. And as soon as I get myself into whatever I'm doing that night, mm-hmm. Boom, dude. I yep. just, pew. no, what's, what are you doing tomorrow? Who gives a shit? What am I doing right now? That, that's, uh, that's living in the now, man. Yeah. Way living. And you know what? I've slowed that down quite a bit. 
because I was living in the now way too much in my early 20s. Yeah. If I was living in the now every fucking day since then, yeah. I don't know. I think my heart can handle a lot, but I don't know. Probably can't handle too much more of that shit. Yeah. It, I think about this a lot, like like a, a defining moment in your life where like things changed and you had to you had to do something different. And if like sometimes when I'm just in the shower or, or driving somewhere or something and like my brain just starts to wander. Right. Like, I imagine my life as like a like a choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? And like there's thousands, there's millions of options, like right. where it could have went based like me drinking this. It's like the butterfly effect. Right. Me drinking this water right now maybe means I get cancer in 10 years. I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah. You know? But like, I think for you and I both, like, because we had kids at a young age, yeah, well, that really kind of that kind of made us change what we were doing. Had to. That was like the, the ultimate moment in our lives where yeah. we were like, fuck, we can, we can be losers or we can take care of this person well, how many and people, change what we're doing. How many people do you know in your life? And I know without mentioning names or even, and it's not a fucking holier than thou type thing, but I know, I know a handful of people I can think of that didn't choose to change anything about their lives, even having kids or, you know, I'm not saying everybody has to stop, stop what you're doing and completely, but you do have to make some, some fucking changes for the better mm -hmm. or try to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it took me a little bit to fucking do that. You know, first few years of Shan's life, I think I could have probably been better or done better, but I was none of my friends and none of the people that I was around had kids besides you shortly after. You were what, 19, 20? I was 20, just turning 21. I think I was maybe, she, I think she got pregnant when I was 20 and then maybe we had Shannon right after, oh no, August. So I was just about turned 21. Yeah. Dude, my mom was 19 when she had me. God damn. Yeah. I didn't know that. My grandma was 15 when she had my uncle. Holy fuck. Yeah. How old was uh, your grandpa? Was uh, he a lot older than her? No, he was... I think she was 15 and he was like 19. Like 25. <laughs> it was a different time, Pondo. <laughs> it was okay back then. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I See, so to us think that we were young, that really wasn't that young. No. I mean, I mean it was, but that to our is, standards. I say this all the time. That is the age you're supposed to have kids. Well, you just don't now in this society. Yeah. Because like if you have a kid when you're in high school – you're fucked. You're way fucked. You can't go to college. No, and everything's so expensive. Oh, dude, you're in big trouble. You're probably not going to stay with whoever no. the father is. Mm -hmm. Like, your life's fucked. You no. can't get pregnant in high school. It's bad. But you go back 100 years, 150, 1 million years, that's, that's, that's when, when you're people supposed were having... to get pregnant. With, well, between like notice, 16 and 25. Do you notice a lot of lot more people are choosing, a lot of younger people are choosing not to have kids too? Oh, yeah. Dude, have you seen that? Japan has a serious issue because none of their young people are getting married. Uh, I don't think they're getting married, but they're absolutely not having kids. Well, I know a couple of friends of mine that have gotten or ha have gotten or are getting a vasectomy being younger than I am because we, they're we choosing. Said, we said we were going to talk about this. <laughs> because they're choosing, <laughs> they're choosing not to, to live the life, which is fine. And then there's also a correlation that's um, – it's a, it's like an activist vegan. I don't know if they're a vegan, but they're they're. It's an anti-humanization act that's happening right now. Have you heard that? Mm -mm. It's called. It, they want the human population to become extinct, so that the Earth can rebuild itself to its natural state. 
Dude, you don't it's have an, to, you don't a, have to make that happen. No, it's gonna happen. It's an, it's an anti yeah. Look it up. I can't. Remember, I was looking up the other day. I can't remember what it's called. But there's a guy that's in charge of it. it's an anti humanization act, and they're they're not like a terrorist organization, <laughs> so to speak, or like they want everybody to die. They just want everybody to stop having kids. Like right now, they 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 devote their life into fucking well, dude, not having kids. That is the basis of Idiocracy, the movie, right? The only people who have kids the stupid asses. are the stupid asses. Yeah. And all the smart people are like, mm, I'm yeah. going to wait until I'm 47, you yeah. know? And then they decide not to. So the the world just gets populated with well, a bunch of fucking idiots. And that one guy that was trying and trying, but he couldn't remember. It's like later on, like Bubba started like this chain reaction to keep And he was just like... That guy ended up, they kept going and interviewing him. Well, he's trying, but he's, my eggs are frozen. And, and then he ended up dying, like masturbating, trying to, <laughs> trying to fucking make <laughs> sperm to make a kid. Yeah. And he was like the smart, intelligent life of what we had. Yeah. And Bubba's kids just fucking. Yeah. Oh. No, dude, that is like, it's supposed to be parody, but it's going to be true. Oh, idiocracy. It's, it's so funny. And like uh, the, the president of that movie. Um, what's his name? It's uh, the, the guy that flexes uh, Terry Crews. Yeah. And he's just like driving around shooting his gun. Fuck you, motherfucker. Drinking a beer. <laughs> and like Taco Bell presents the president of the United States. Macho Camacho Dorito fucking whatever his name is. Yeah. Scary, dude. man. Yeah. Well, you know what's And not to get political at all, but if you think about it, how nice has it been? Like I said, anybody watching this, no political affiliation needed for this statement to not hear about our president every fucking five minutes on the news. Dude, the thing that bugs me is that I haven't heard shit about. Okay, so I'm reading this book right now, and it's called Hate, Inc., and it's by Matt Taibbi, uh-huh. and he is a journalist, and he's been covering he, – he's – he was a liberal writer for the Rolling Stone. And okay. he's, he's been covering politics for like his entire career. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this awesome book that I'm only like 40 pages into. But it's basically just saying like both sides are – they have the same goal. Absolutely. It's to make you hate – Each other. Hate each other. Hate it, the other side. Divide and, so, and conquer. Yeah. And so the thing that bugs me right now is like even though Trump isn't in office anymore, there's so many – liberal outlets that still try to use his name to get you fucking pissed, pissed off, off and fired up because and it's he's like, not because he's not being brought up he's enough. not he's not in here can we well, we're done talking about him well, and trump's got to give credit i think a lot of times while he brings up the media too is because he fucking probably loves the media think about it they've made his name everybody he won that fucking election because every single time you watched you watched a debate and stuff. They had him center stage. Yeah. Everything was focused on him. The questions were directed. And then like Rubio or fucking uh, Mayor Pete would be like, blah, blah. He's just like, all right, gay guy or whatever fucking <laughs> Trump would opt. You know, oh, here he comes with his fucking questions again. Yeah. Or, or talking shit about everybody. And then once all those Republicans, once he became president, they're just like, oh, he's actually not that bad. Yeah. No, we can get behind Ted this. Cruz. He attacked his fucking wife directly all the time. And Ted Cruz is just like, huh. <laughs> It's okay. I know. Shoppy little turtle. <laughs> he called his dad the Zodiac Killer. I know. And he's just like, <laughs> just, he's like, oh, I think I'll vote for him. I watched, sure. I, I watched, <laughs> did you watch the Jimmy Kimmel and him play basketball? They played basketball uh-huh. for a charity. Uh-huh. And while they're playing, they're mic'd up, dude. And Jimmy just kept giving Ted shit, dude. Like they'd stop and he's just like, hey, he's like, he's like, he's like, come on, let's play. And he's like, hey, Ted, is it harder defending me or defending Trump for everything that he does? And it's just like, <laughs> oh, fuck. And like, they're just going at it. Yeah. But um, anyways, I didn't want to talk about politics, but it's just yeah. funny to me. It's kind of nice. But like you said, there was another statement that was made. Like you said that each, each Democrat, Republican or same goal. 
It was something like... That's the goal of the media, is to make you hate the other side. Yeah. They use fear to make you hate the other side. Yeah. It's a divide. They both, they both do the same thing. Fox News is just as bad as CNN. True that. They're the same thing. They're just on different sides. Yeah. And they're fucking trying to make you hate everybody. And, and I'm sure they all those politics still, like politicians <clears throat> may, may rumble in front of the cameras, but you know, off camera, they're just like, whatever. Yeah. We're rich. We're no. getting paid. That's what it's about. It's about ratings. Shit. And yeah. Trump was very, very good for ratings. You had to decide if you were going to support him yeah. or you were going to hate him. But he was- but There's no middle ground with Trump. But he was blowing You're, up everything. Oh, yeah. No. Everything. And that's the only reason he, he's like a- I, I think of that little that little uh, weird thing that grows out of the ground in Little Mermaid. You know, when she like captures their voice or whatever and they become the little. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched that movie, I had, Maxwell. I hadn't seen it in 20 years and I watched it with my kids recently. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that. Like if you don't feed him yeah. with the attention, uh-huh. he just withers and withers dies. and dies and goes and away. And everybody just keep, we're fucking talking about him we're right now. We're talking about him, yeah. Yeah. Well, politicians should have to wear like their suits and jackets should be like NASCARs. You know, like a NASCAR has like McDonald's logo on it or fucking Coca-Cola or something. Imagine like a politi- like a senator or governor coming into like the Senate and stuff and they have to wear like Pfizer or Moderma yeah. or fucking Coca-Cola or uh-huh. McDonald's or whatever fucking pharmaceutical company that's lining their pockets so they can vote on a bill to fucking make it legal for yeah. them to fucking push that drug. Uh-huh. That'd be cool to see them in that in that jacket and be like, oh, that's who you really are. Yeah. You're not you're not Christian fucking Yeah. Whatever you were fucking Pfizer bot, whatever <clears throat> you know, robot. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be cool. I think I think that they should, and they did that in Idiocracy. Remember well, he had he had like his his vest <laughs> yeah. or whatever was lined with yeah. sponsorships. Yeah. Well, Bernie would show up in his underwear. <laughs> I'm not bought, not paid for. <laughs> I'm not paid for. Yeah. Well, or they had to get tattoos. That'd be cool too. Like they had to get face tats, like yeah. Post Malone or something. Like they say McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Pfizer. Yeah. Derma. Yeah. Johnson and Johnson. You know, I don't know. That'd be cool. All right, I'm going to take a piss. Take a piss, Maxwell. I'm going to sit here and look at myself. There we go. <clears throat> okay. Uh, where were we? Where okay. Were we? Okay, so there was one thing. Uh, it was... Uh, so I, because you're a musician and I'm... Right. It's easy to talk to you about this. Uh, I wanted to see what you thought about like... So when you when you are capable... When you do something that's creative and you, you have to channel that... Like I talked to Galen about this a little bit. Like... Uh, that's that's a wild thing that you can just out of nowhere create something and be responsible for it and be like, holy shit, like not even not even like, oh, I'm so awesome. I'm yeah. so good at stuff. But just to like make something up, like Pink Dog Wiener. Mm-hmm. Like dude, just when you finish doing that, you're like, holy shit, dude. I just made that up. Where did that come from? Well, uh when I was playing with the Miss when I was playing with the Miss Beats, I think is when I wrote uh Pink Dog Wiener. I forgot about the Miss Beats, yeah. dude. I, well we were playing so I was living you stayed up you were living there too, kinda on uh out in two hundred and seventh and Sandy. And we were playing a lot of shows like in uh Corvallis and Eugene and like R- Ryan was booking us all over the like the more or less the uh college circuit. And uh Pink Dog Wiener was right before then. I I wrote that in our apartment, taking bong hits, 
I wrote down pink, I wrote pink dog wiener. And it means nothing besides that was a saying that all of us used to call each other pink dogs. Mm-hmm. Fucking pink dog wiener. Mm-hmm. And you guys know what the pink dog wiener is. If you're watching out there, it's when the dog gets the fucking lipstick <laughs> and it comes out and it's a pink dog wiener. But we used to all call each other pink dog wieners. So I wrote that. And then when we were recording Mugged and Raped in Seattle, the misbeats were uh, when I actually got mugged, not raped, but me and Adrian got mugged up in Seattle. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. He, we were up in Seattle recording our album, uh, Mugged and Raped in Seattle is what we ended up calling it after that. I think it was just going to be like the misbeats something, but we ended up changing the name to that. And uh, we were... Adrian and I were out drinking, walking around the Space Needle. We were staying down at the Holiday Inn downtown. Ryan worked for the Holiday Inn at the time, so he got really good rates. And uh, I just got done tracking all my drum tracks. I think Adrian had most of his guitar tracks, so I wasn't 21 at the time. I was 19, so we couldn't go to any bars. So I was walking around, and we are smoking weed and drinking, taking shortcuts back to the hotel. And we got halfway through this alley and fucking... Five dudes come running down one side. I was like, oh, shit. And they beat the fuck out of us. Just wrecked our world. Took our beers. Took Adrian pretty much weed right out of his mouth. Took our wallet. I went to give him my wallet. They kicked me against the fence. Started beating me. I was like, I'm just giving my fucking wallet. So anyways, I gave it to him. We show up at the hotel all beat up. And Ryan's like, what the fuck? So he calls the police. The police show up. And they're like, so you guys were buying prostitutes in the alley. We're like, no, we just told you we got beat up and are you going to take our statement? So they took what we said and they're just like, dude, what were you guys doing by the Space Needle at midnight? And we're like, we're walking around. I, I go, I've never been to Seattle in my life. My band's recording a CD and uh, we were just seeing the sights. He's like, well, this isn't fucking part of Seattle that you want to see the sights. And we're sorry. So he thought we were just buying hookers in the alley, me and, and Adrian. And we weren't. But I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't, uh, these facts, we couldn't re, uh, change this guy's mind, this police officer's mind. So he left. And but I wonder if that's like a notorious spot to pick up. It, hookers. Must, it must be. Yeah. And I still don't know. I, I guess it's really bad. That area is like kind of like the uh, epicenter of what happened in Portland, like the whole riots and the, and the protests. Like that's kind of how the area was there. Uh, Besides yeah. it's even lower. I think it'd be more like Burnside and Chinatown, mm-hmm. I guess. So, anyways, the song was this. That's how the song, the origin of the song, came from. And then I got back, and then Adrian's like, or Ryan's like, dude, you got to write. We see that song wasn't even on our album because it just happened then. But we named the album Mugged and Rape, and then I came back and I wrote Mugged and Rape in Seattle. So I just sat in my apartment and was thinking about like the lyrics are like, there is a path, future side of the bloodbath. Little did we know, oh 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 oh, and we're getting her beat up, you know. Mm-hmm. They laughed, they kicked, we screamed, we battled, we were mugged and raped in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So that's like the basic, you know, parts of it. And the whole song was written about just the different parts that we went through. So I wrote the basic of it on the guitar. I brought it to Adrian and he fucking just made it a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And we played that song. And that was one of the, the, that was one of the things like Pink Dog Wiener, Mugged and Raped Seattle, Japanese Squeeze. Um, I'm writing a new song. Uh... Uh, the fuck did I name it? Oh my god, I'm having a brain fart. I think you said it at the start. Oh, lockdown liver. Yeah. So it's just stupid, silly songs, but it, a lot of it has meaning. The only song that does not have meaning is Pink Dog Wiener. That that's the cool thing about 
doing creative stuff though, like as as shitty as that was, like if it wouldn't happen, you wouldn't have wrote, wrote the song. Yeah. And dude, that's the thing. No offense to people that are like cautious and play it safe and everything, but like if you don't go out and do stuff, mm-hmm. nothing's ever gonna happen nothing. to you. No, you gotta you gotta test the limits. You gotta you gotta live life too. Like during this pandemic, how many people and I know we all did it when it first started. None of us knew what the fuck it was. It was so new. We didn't know if we were going to touch a surface of something, if yeah. we were going to die the next day. That's yeah. what we were fed and told it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's a really bad cold yeah. that's killing a very, very, very low amount of people. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the whole world was changed by that. Mm-hmm. I went to a, my band played uh, at over on Misdemeanor Meadows. Next day I was at Tool. During Tool, my phone's blowing up. MLB cancels its season. Uh, NBA sh- canceled the season, and I'm like, "What the fuck is happening?" So I'm yeah. showing Nicole, and she's like, "Oh, whatever. What does that mean? I don't, I don't know." And I'm like, "Dude, the world is shutting down. Like, I'm surprised they're not like, hey, shows canceled, made or get you know off stage right now.'" And he ended up. I, I read that he had COVID the, during that show. He got it twice. Yeah, and he, he apparently it, had it really bad. Yeah, real bad. Like he went to the hospital, and there wasn't enough room and shit. He like went home and dealt with it the second time around. Mm-hmm. But he released a statement saying during that show, he had like early symptoms of COVID. Mm -hmm. So he was actually having it. And I remember walking around that night at the Moda Center and seeing maybe 10% of people having masks on. And I remember thinking that was so weird. People had masks on that early? Because that was like March 14th or something? And it was just starting to be released that it was already happening in China, Mm -hmm. happening in in China and everywhere. But it was just slowly starting to happen here. And so... The show that we had of the um, Hired Hounds played with the night before, the band that was supposed to open didn't even show up because they thought the show was going to be shut down because of COVID. Yeah. And like they had to call the band and be like, where the fuck are you? Like, oh, is the show still happening? So like two of the members showed up and then we were already setting up and they're like, well, hey, can you just play this set real quick? And then we'll come on and play a couple songs. I'm like, no, fuck you. You're not playing. We're playing. Yeah. But- like nobody was wearing masks there, but like yeah, dude, at the at the tool show, there was like so many people wearing masks, huh. like at least ten percent of like the whole place. And then after that, it was just like the world shut down. Yeah. You know, I went back to work Monday, no traffic. I was working in St. John's. There was no traffic for like a long time, nine, ten, eleven yeah. months. It's man. just starting again now, yeah. and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Remember, we have COVID. Can you go back to not going to work? <laughs> yeah. It was so nice when you fuckers yeah. weren't on the road, dude. That's the cool thing about. So I started doing this a few months before COVID, but like I did a bunch of episodes, obviously, since it happened. Right. And dude, they're all like little time capsules. Yeah, it is. Because we didn't, like everything changed over time. And, yeah. And we usually ended up talking about it. And uh, dude, it's it's so wild. Just, you go back, dude, I look at pictures from like December, 2019. And I'm like, we had no idea what no. was going well, to happen. No, coming around man. the corner. No, no. like nobody everything knew. is so different. If now. somebody could have gone back in a time machine and like, you know, Marty McFly did up, you know, and came back to him and was like, dude, in six months, everything's going to be shut down. People are going to be worried about getting the cold Yeah, and fucking, you're not going to be able to go to concerts or go to restaurants. You're going to be like, yeah, right. Yeah. That's what scares me about this because- we're doing this little I, – I feel like we're in a test stage. Like, you know, when 9-11 happened and the first part I, – I, I believe we're in, in the middle of uh, Patriot Act 2.0. Yeah. Like, the first part was, okay, we can tap your phones without anybody even telling you. That's just – that's <laughs> constitution. No, no. This is what we're going to do mm-hmm. in the name of patriotism. Mm-hmm. 
And now it's like, you know, we now everybody's getting vaccinated, which I've gotten my first Pfizer shot. I got my second one Tuesday. But I have this thing where I'm going into my liquor store now and it's like, you are allowed to walk in without your mask if you're willing to show your full vaccination card to the cashier. Wow. And I'm like, whoa. So, and then now they're like, the Blazers just had a playoff game. And they're allowing like 6,000 people to be in there. But they have sections for people that have their vaccination card. If you're vaccinated, everybody can sit together right here. But don't worry about mingling with these fucks that decide not to get their shot. Mm-hmm. So if that's how it's going to be now, what's next? Dude, I saw something. RFID chips in our Fuck. fucking hands where we have to do currency that way. I can't remember what it was, but it was it was admission to something. Maybe it was a baseball game or something. Uh, and you had to show your card. Fuck! It was like the tickets for it were fifty dollars if you proved if you could prove that you were vaccinated, and they were a thousand dollars if you weren't vaccinated. <sighs> so, That's like, so lame. If you try to look at it from one perspective, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, they're trying to make sure that people are being safe and they're doing the right thing, and they're 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 lessening the chance of it spreading to other people. Sure, but also. You can't just make something like that a requirement for society. For everything. And no. to prove it too. Yeah. Like I was telling you earlier that I'm I'm trying to go to uh Europe this summer. Yeah. I I was not going to get the the shot. Yeah. Because I I'm thirty seven, I'm young, I'm yeah. healthy. I I felt the same way. I have no reason to get it. I I don't not believe it, but mm-hmm. I'm like, give it to an older person who sure. really needs it. Who like, really needs it, yeah. I don't need it. But for me to go to Europe this summer. Yeah, you're going to have to show your... I cannot go unless I get vaccinated. Absolutely. Even now, I'm one shot in. I got my next one. I think it's next week. Um, I was looking at the... Each European country has different rules. Right. And uh, the Netherlands, when you... Even now, like right now, I need to check it, but they still haven't updated it. When you fly into Amsterdam, you have to have a, a negative... COVID test result within 24 hours of getting on the plane. Right. Then you still have to quarantine for 10 days when you get there. And so that's going to fuck my whole vacation. I can't go there and just hang nope. out in Amsterdam for nope. 10 days. My, my boss had to do that. He has a he has a uh, house in Hawaii. And as of six months ago when he went, he had to do that. He had to have a negative test and he had to quarantine for 10 days. Plus, he was, I was like, yeah, how are they going to know if you're quarantined? The uh, National Guard showed up to his house twice while he was there. To check on to him? To make sure that he was – if he wasn't at his house, he would have been asked to leave the island. Whoa. Yeah. So he said, yeah, they actually came twice at the beginning, like two days in, and then like towards the end just to make sure. So he took a whole month and stayed there instead of two weeks because he had to quarantine for 10 days. Wow. And they checked on him. That's that's like some New Zealand type stuff. I looked at going there instead of Europe uh, because, dude, they're having concerts with 50,000 people. Oh, yeah. Because there are no – no, no restrictions? No, no. There's no uh, positive cases of COVID in New Zealand. Hmm. Like they're they're like some crazy island in, hmm. in outer space, man, where nobody has it. Wow. So they're fucking having concerts and shit. They're like, fuck it. And all the bands that never would go there are probably touring there <laughs> oh, now. Yeah, like, dude. We'll go to like the five places in New Zealand and just yeah. do it like three times. Yeah. So you're, get, you're getting to see all the cool bands. You don't uh-huh. just get to see Silverchair anymore. You can actually see like fucking <laughs> <laughs> no more just ACDC and, and, and Silverchair. Everybody yeah. gets to go. In excess. What about, uh, but here in the U.S., dude, like in the Midwest and in Texas and in like, like Auburn University and uh, uh, Alabama and shit, they are 
not going to have any regulations for the college games and stuff. So like all call it like football games stuff, 50,000 people are going to be in stands, no social distancing stuff. That's their, that's what they're saying. So now like the Pac-12 and like Oregon State, Oregon, Washington, USC, none of them are going to play any of these schools until they change their regulations and how they're going to do what they want to do because they're not going to intermingle our kids with that shit. So everything's divided, dude. Yeah. I don't know why you, it can't be about personal choice anymore. Absolutely. Like, if you are really that worried about it. Then don't do it. That's cool. Yeah. Then don't don't go to a movie theater. Yeah. If you are willing to risk your life. Yeah. Like it, we talked about this the other night, I think. Like when you drive a car, you take a risk. When you fly on an airplane, you take a risk. When you go bungee jumping, you take a risk. Yeah. Like life is full of risks. Yeah. Like you can't just fucking tell people they can't do stuff because – they have a very slim possibility of dying. Yeah. Like then you, what are they going to ban food? You can yeah. choke on the food. You can yeah. fucking die from eating or car, food. Cars, you know, driving, working, anything you do, you have you have a risk. We have a higher risk of dying with anything that I do in my life besides getting COVID. They should just invent like COVID glasses where you put them on and you could see if somebody's talking if there's COVID shit coming out of your mouth. He's <laughs> like, whoa, bud, <laughs> stop the conversation. Yeah. You know, get a COVID glasses or something. Yeah, man. I went and saw my doctor for like my annual checkup and he asked me, he's like, uh, he's super cool. Like he, he started spilling his guts, dude. He was asking me, he was telling me about how he ate mushrooms in college. Oh, and, your doctor was? Yeah, dude. Oh, he was, fuck. it was a, it was an awesome conversation I had with him and we were talking about ecstasy and all kinds of stuff. Oh, wow. Um, but he, he's a, he's probably 40, 45. Yeah. He's a young, healthy man. Yeah. And he asked me, he's like, are you going to get the shot? And I was like, I don't plan on it. And he goes, are you going to travel? And that's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to He's like, to. you better get it. He's then. like, if you're going to try to go to Europe, you're going to have to get it. And I was like, okay. And so he said to me, he's like, I get it. He goes, this is my fucking doctor who works at Providence, who's a respected man mm -hmm. in the medical community. Sure. He told me I wouldn't get it if I were you. That's what he said? That's what he said. Wow. My doctor. Wow. He's like, I get it. He goes, there's no reason for you to put this random set of chemicals yeah. in your body. What it's going to do in 20 years to us. Yeah, because like, I don't get the flu shot. Yeah. You know? Like, nope. I, would, I. I would rather let my body try to figure out how to beat it. Like, mm -hmm. that's what bodies do. They're supposed to fucking beat sure. it. Otherwise, you die. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he told me that. And then he said that the only reason <laughs> that he got it was because they basically forced him to. Yeah, I was going to say, everybody. that's what everybody's doing. They're like, I, I wouldn't get it. Don't do it. But... I had to because he had to. Yeah. He said he he goes. I don't have to. They didn't make it mandatory, uh, Providence. But if I didn't do it, the, my life would be so difficult. It's not worth it. He's yeah. like, I have to get a test every single day. Mm -hmm. If I ever tested positive, then you're screwed. I have to go home for two weeks and quarantine. He's like, I. It's just easier if I get it done. And he's like, I wouldn't do it either but they're basically forcing me to do it yeah and so that's what that's what's happening in yeah. the medical community well, and anybody everywhere that, that's anybody, the scariest thing about this thing dude anybody it's, that speaks out against it is like automatically labeled yep. like some far right crazy Trump supporter yeah. who fucking hates science and it's like no we're not dealing with smallpox or polio right or HIV like it's not no that level mm -mm. and, and it, it's like I said, and I and I always said, I'm not scared of the disease, the virus, or at all. I'm scared of where it's going from here. Like not not where it's where it's morphing to or anything. Is like where is our society going from here? Now that now that it's like okay, they we already know what they, the powers that be, can do. Government take away from us. 
like that unconstitutionally, well, what's next? Yeah. What's going to be, I mean, it doesn't even have to be three or four years down the line. We're talking, like you said, 2019, we're partying, we're hanging out. All of a sudden 2020 comes, we're like, everything's changed. Mm -hmm. Could happen overnight. Yeah. Then, I mean, you get to the point where you just like, you want to go, you want to go to a concert and you have to show some card to prove something about yourself. Yeah. And I don't know, man, that's a slippery slope. Yep. I had the conversation with my parents and they're like, it's really not that big a deal. And I was like, it's not, I'll get the shot. I don't care. Like, yeah. Whatever. But that opens the door for, all kinds for of shit. other things to happen later on. That's what I'm like, what you're saying. That's yeah. what I'm worried about. My dad, where was, does it go from my here? dad was like, cause Nicole and him, Nicole got hers shots really early and my dad did. And, and he was like, I haven't at this point I have now had one, but he was just like, pretty much, you got to do it. Like, after I told him I was going, he was like, that good boy, you know. And I, Shannon has got his first shot. Mm -hmm. My son, he's 15. Mm -hmm. And I told him that. I said, well, Shannon's joining the one-shot club. And then my dad's like, what does one-shot mean? Does that mean he gets to pick who he wants to play baseball for? <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, you're way overthinking this. He's He's got his Pfizer shot. And he's yeah. like, oh, good for him. Doing yeah. his part, you yeah. know? yeah. And she hadn't even said that. He's like, well, dad, I am doing my part. It's like, do you know what that fucking means, dude? <laughs> anyway. People, I think there's a lot of people who have good intentions behind it. But right. there are other people far above us yeah. who have wait, different wait, plans. Diff they have yeah, different plans for this. Yeah. This, sure. is, this is a very thought out chess game right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild time to be alive. Fuck yeah. I love it. Uh, but dude, like I... Whenever, whenever I get super down on it, I think about like I'm way into World War II and the Nazi Party, sure. everything that happened in that that era. Mm -hmm. And dude, Hitler Hitler started that whole campaign in I think it was September of '39, and the war didn't end until May of '45. So mm -hmm. it was almost six years. Mm -hmm. We did one year. Of this ridiculous shit. And it's not done yet, but it's getting better. Can you imagine what it would have been like for six fucking years? Like being a Jew in one of those countries. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Not just living through the times like us being in America. And I'm sure our kids like they're put like, you know, the, the Germans and the Nazis want to invade here. But imagine living in Austria or you know, Germany or any of these countries during that time and being Jewish mm -hmm. and knowing like it's just a matter of time before they invade through your country and start lining you up. Yeah. And not just shooting you there, but like taking you away from your family and putting you in these concentration camps. Yeah. Hey, fuck. Yeah. No, that's a wild time in human history. And, and there's people that deny it. wasn't even that long ago. There's people that deny it. <laughs> there's people that deny it. Yeah. I, uh, I was just watching what, uh, you know who Anthony Jeslink is? Mm -hmm. The comedian. <laughs> Have you seen yeah. any of his comedy shows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, last night I was, or yesterday I was watching some of it and he was just like, so. He's like laughing at his own joke and he's like, I'm not laughing at this one. I'm, I'm laughing at the next one that's coming. And he was talking about how his mom's a terrible person. She's a terrible person. He's like, she is a Holocaust. She was a Holocaust denier. She believed that it never happened. Everybody's like, oh, blah, blah. And he's like, they did an intervention on her and showed her all the shit that happened, like the real documented truth of the Holocaust. And he's like, and now she's done a 180. I'm proud of her, but she believes it didn't just happen once. 
(laughs) She believes it's happened many times and it's still happening. And I mean, that was funny. Like his jokes are so dark. Yeah. He's super dark. Yeah. I I like him though. Yeah. No, he's super funny, but yeah, he's, uh, (laughs) his punchlines are so dark. He's just dry about it and real slow. And then he's just like, he throws it out there Mm -hmm. and you're like, fuck. Yeah, man, dude. Um, I was listening to something the other day, some podcast where they're talking about like basically polluting your mind. And uh, I always think of Inception, you know, where they got to break into somebody's brain and like put a note inside a vault. Mm -hmm. And that can like fuck your personality. Like if you so strongly believe that the earth is flat Mm -hmm. or that any number of things, you know, like if you get so hardcore into some certain belief, like – that's a poison of your mind. Yeah. And dude, there's no way there's no way around that sometimes. Well, and you can't convince somebody that's set on something like that that it's not really happened or yeah, it's dude. not really it's not really truth. When we were younger, when we were in our early twenties and I started reading a bunch of books about religion and stuff, um, I thought that I could talk to people and convince them that God wasn't real. And that it was like this made up story mm-hmm. by the Catholic church and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And dude, it took me 10 years to realize like people don't want to hear you tell them that they're wrong. They want you to tell them that they're right. Yeah. Or, or that you believe. Yes. Christianity and Christians and everybody, they dude. that's, I grew up, we could talk about that for a minute too, because I grew up in, in a way that, um, like my mom came from a religious background. My dad kind of did too. But my brother and his family were like really into religion, like really into religion. Like he was a youth pastor and shit. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, he wouldn't mind me talking about this, but he was, they were so involved, but it was almost like a cult dish type of thing where mm-hmm. you're either, you have to be a hundred percent in on this thing or it's completely bad. Like you're completely an outcast. So once he decided that that wasn't for him or he wasn't going to do that anymore, I mean, that pretty much ruined his marriage and split everything up. And, and for the longest time, I was involved in it too, for a a little chunk of my life. And it really fucked with me into, uh, anybody that didn't believe you're fucking burning in hell. Or if you did believe, then you have to live this certain life. I mean, you have to be the light, shine the light into people's eyes. And if you're not, or into people's lives and you're not doing it, it's like, if you're not forced, you're against us, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's terrible, man. That's a terrible way of living. You're scared. You're scared of death because you're scared to death of where you're going to go when you die. Well, also there's, there's this thing built into the human mind where you, you naturally seek taboo items. Like you want to see or view or do the things you're not supposed to. Absolutely. And so it creates like this weird dichotomy. Like, uh, what were you talking about earlier? My brain just went dead. Fuck. Um, Something where like uh, you – something is so wrong, you inherently just want to do it, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Story of my life. Somebody tells me no or not to do something, I automatically want to do it or I want to go against what they're telling me to do. That's why why you see like these hardcore super church pastors, like I forget the guy's name, uh, but he's like – Oh, the smiley guy? 
Oh man, the, I'd have to look him up. The um, guy that's always like, he 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 ran some church like out in Colorado somewhere, and dude, it was like a mega church. Yeah, yeah. And he's constantly preaching against uh, homosexuality mm, and like uh, Westboro Westboro Baptist shit. Not that God, hate, God hates fags. Not that and, guy, but similar. Okay, not quite that extreme, but yeah, he's like hardcore against homosexuality and pray um, the gay away. Yeah. And then it, it comes out that he's sucking some dude's cock oh, yeah. in a hotel room yep. and doing a bunch of oh, crystal with him. Yeah. No, I know who you're talking about. Ted he Haggard. Expo- yeah, he Haggard? was exposed. Maybe that's what it is. There's another guy. But yeah, the reason of the being that is he feels so bad and probably about his secret life that he's telling people not to be doing what he's fucking doing, dude. That, that's some dark shit, well, dude. Christianity. When you are, when I'm like... Don't buy glass bases. <laughs> and then I just got like a fucking warehouse full of them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what? Well, it's because it, it's like practice what you preach, buddy. Uh, there's a show. Uh, it's with Danny McBride and John. Uh, righteous. John Goodman. The Righteous. Righteous Brothers? Righteous. No, the Righteous. It's their last name. The Righteous something. Oh, God damn it. Danny. Danny McBride, John Goodman. I've seen. Yeah, I've seen the first season. Righteous gemstones. Yeah, dude. And I think it only has one season right now, but that is a perfect, they're taking the whole mega church and the, uh, what do they call them? The prosperous, not prosperous church, but uh, prosperity preaching, Mm -hmm. like preaching on like, you do all this shit, you pretty much get money and you like, there's that one guy that, um, uh, we could go on and on, but he's, he gets, he gets cornered by um, entertainment tonight and she's talking about, Hey, so we heard you just bought blah, blah, blah's mega jet. And he's preaching that he can't fly commercial because he feels like he's in a tube of demons and it, a tube of fucking demons, dude. <laughs> and it could latch onto him and, and hinder his preaching. And it's like, dude, no, you want to drive, you want to fly in your personal fucking jet because you're a millionaire. Let's get that right, right now. Yeah, man, dude, that's such an insane disconnect. And well, because then, they're not, they're not, they're not fucking taxed by the government. It's yeah. a tax shelter. Yeah. So everything that they're doing, we pay taxes on, but yet they want COVID relief and shit. Yeah, but dude, anytime, like, you can't even bring that up. Like, no, if anybody no. in Congress were like, you know what, we should uh, take away tax exempt status from the churches, oh, dude, people no. would freak out. No, no. Well, that's where there's separation of church and state. Or as no effects will put it, separation of church and state. Where it's like, yeah, well, you want to separate church and state, then you got to separate everything. Money-wise, everything. If you're not going to be... So why can't I start a religion? Which I probably could. You can. You can. And look at Scientology. Tax, look at, and, and be tax exempt. Exactly. And be tax exempt of everything and say, well, in the name of religion and separation of church and state, I don't have to pay you fucking shit. You know what's ridiculous? All this stuff in here, I get to write off. I oh, an, yeah. I have an LLC. And you I can get, write it I off. I get to t- write this off. No, I shit. think that is ridiculous. Yeah. You know what else is ridiculous? Prisoners get uh, a stimulus check. Really? What can they spend it on? <laughs> my, brother, my brother's buying a guitar. <laughs> he can get a guitar sent to him? <laughs> yeah. Well, he has to buy it through the commissary of what the, they like, because everything's jacked up on prices. Like, I can't buy him a guitar and send him a guitar. He has to buy it through the prison because Snake River is privately owned it's not even a government owned institution it's privately owned and they make money on prisoners when he gets out i want him to come hang out oh, with me absolutely and he dude some of the shit because he's monitored with all of our phone calls and everything so some things we don't talk about but it's like 
he's getting a stimulus check of what twelve hundred bucks? Fourteen, I think. Yeah, and uh, fuck, dude, he's gonna buy he's gonna buy a guitar and he's gonna put everything like you know whenever he wants to get some snacks and he doesn't eat a lot of snacks stuff he works he's fucking dude he's like this big <laughs> he doesn't eat a lot of snacks he's stacked and he, he puts up like 300 pounds dude he's like really into health and, and dude, shit right what now what else are you gonna do exactly if you're in prison dude that's why all those guys are jacked but but they but they make so much money for somebody that owns that there's somebody that owns that prison dude no i know and that dude that's and it. they get paid through the government for each i think like each person that's in prison they get so much thousands of dollars that's, and they get free labor out of them yeah no, you get jobs and stuff and free labor for profit uh prison industry is a bad thing dude yeah. and that's why that's why they don't want to eliminate like measure 11 exactly you know they exactly. want people going to prison for a mandatory make, minimum sentence they make money off he got of a them. 70 month sentence because it's mandatory minimum never get any good time He's a pretty upstanding person in prison, but he's still a person in prison. And because of his Measure 11 crime, never get out early. No. Got still got two, uh, like two, two more years. Yeah. So he's been in for four and a half or whatever. But but so he has a bank account that he can access. He has a prison account, like a, through his what's it called, a SID, SID, his SID account. And so Nicole and I or my dad will put money onto it for get like phone calls. We just bought him. Like a hundred dollars worth of shit. There's like every couple months they'll have this open account where we can get them like sausages and spreads and fucking coffees and blah 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 blah. Because they make spreads in prison. Like they throw all their stuff together and they make like burritos and shit. Because you get the same thing to eat every day. So they can purchase yeah additional food. Yeah, I, like you, yep. You can get the fucking organic you can get avocados. A, yeah, and he says like because he's been to county and and prison and all that. He said it's way better. You can get your stuff. Uh, in prison, the stuff that you can get in prison is way better than like county county jail stuff. And But yeah, as soon as he gets a stimulus, which it's been kind of in limbo for a while, he's going to get a guitar and, get, you know, what else you can do? Jam out and jam out. Can he watch this? Uh, No, he can't go on YouTube. I don't think he can go on YouTube. I could ask him. Probably not, though. He can go to my website. Possibly. Yeah, I can give him that. Cool. Because he, he can get on like a tablet. You, you pay for tablet time and stuff, but everything's monitored pretty well, as long as you're not like getting, looking on porn or some shit. <laughs> and yeah. all of our videos, like we video chat once a week. They're all monitored and stuff. But Who is on Pornhub? Yeah. I'm like showing him porn and shit where I'm like, hey, Nick, dude, check this out. This will get you through the night, brother. <laughs> hurry, hurry, before he's they like, look. He's like, it's all up here. He's man. like, man, got it. Got it stored in the old spank bank. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. it's not so bad though. Really, I mean, <laughs> prison's not so bad. He's just ready to be done with it, you know. So am I. There, there's got to be a different system. I, I, dude, I think there's a for as advanced as we are right now. Mm -hmm. with, dude, we got laptops, we got the internet, we've got electric cars and fast food. Like I can order food and somebody will bring it to me. Like for as much as technology as we have, and as good as life is, like this is the best it's ever been. Sure, for sure, yeah. But dude, there's so many things that we're doing wrong yeah. and incarcerating people for significant amount of time, uh -huh. significant amounts of time, uh, and then just like releasing them yeah. into the world and yeah. not get, not dude, transitioning them in any way. Like he has to go to a transitional house, I think, or like something for like a month, but they give you like, I think he said they'll give you like a hundred bucks for your, for your bus ride out of there. And to get to where you need to be, and then it's just like, okay, good and luck. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, you're you're a felon forever. Yeah, yeah. or is it ten years? Uh, fuck. I think it, forever. I think his he has assault charges and shit. So I think I I don't know if those offenses will ever go away. Yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, there's no. You're you're not really trying to make people better. You're just trying to punish people. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, it's it's not a rehabilitation thing at all. It's throwing somebody in a cell. And since COVID happened, he doesn't even get his cell anymore. They he was on like the honor housing and had his not his own cell, but he's with another dude like minimum type of dude like minimum offender type guys. One of the guys that he was sharing a cell was a lifer, guy that killed somebody and stuff, but he's been there for so long. Like that's his life. Um but now they're living in dormitory living. Like that's better. Like they're mm-hmm. taking all the low risk guys like healthy young guys like my brother and stuff and they're putting them all in a dorm and stack beds of three down lines and you're just like between like he's sleeping from here to that tv to another guy yeah every night and shit and you have everything that you own in <laughs> in that cot he has a little tv that he flips out little headphones he puts on he gets to watch at night you know mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's wild. It's man. definitely something that he will learn from and never do anything to get him there again, I think. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. I yeah. mean, it just it doesn't seem like that's the right path. I don't think I, I don't think the majority, I don't know what the percentage is, but I would guess like 80 or 90% of the people that are in prison or like long-term jail or whatever, mm-hmm. like they shouldn't be there. No. They in a lot of a lot of situations, you made a huge mistake, and then now you're just you're just like throwing it away. Well, like it goes to like we know a couple people who um who who were a few years older than a girl, mm-hmm. and they had sex with them. Yeah, and then they told their parents, and, and now their they're parents freaked, and yeah. now they're for life. Now or, they're sex offenders yeah. forever, or even fucking not even doing like say you've had too much to drink. You jump in your car, you drive, you're driving home. Somebody walks out in front of you, you run them over, hit them, you kill them. You're going to prison. Yeah. You are going to prison and you're not a fucking, you made a bad decision, mm-hmm. but you're not a criminal. Yeah. You don't make criminal decisions or you don't, you pay your taxes, you do everything, you raise your kids, you do it, but you fucking looked away for a minute, you went, you had four drinks, boom, you run them. Even if you're not drunk, you're over the legal limit, you run them over, you kill them, you're going for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Involuntary manslaughter. And, yep. And you're fucked. And that shit's on you forever. I mean, yeah, I've known, I don't know people that have done that, but I mean. Well, dude, we know, um, we know that guy that uh, was driving down the hill. When we were in high school. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and crashed the car and killed that girl. Yeah. And dude. Yeah. I, I, I don't know him and I've never had a conversation with him like, yeah. about any of that stuff. But dude, no. just the, the fact alone that he killed somebody. Yeah. Like, dude, that'll wreck it's you bad. forever, man. Yeah. That'll wreck you. Like, you don't need to sit in prison for 15 years or yeah, whatever. Like six or seven years for that. Yeah, yeah. dude. You, Every day you're going to feel bad about that. Oh, my God, dude. You can't take L- that back. Let alone have to sit in prison and do that. Yeah, but you know, like it, it's the system, it's the way it's, and then I watch videos about these prisons, like in third world countries where you, you can have your family live in prison with you <laughs> and <laughs> whose family's going to go live with them in <laughs> well, prison. So, dude, they're so broken. They have nothing that the only source of income they had was their, was the man that worked and stuff. So he goes to prison and they have these fucking like cells where you have your, family live with you you get out every day and you go work and you come back and then that you have to go back to prison but you it's like guatemala and all these fucking places but like yeah and your family lives there with you, you. your grandma and your wife and your yeah. kids are just sleeping in the cell with you yeah they have a big enough cell like probably half the size <laughs> of this room and they're living with you and you're going to
going to work oh, every day. Oh, I shouldn't laugh at it. But no, that's, it's true. That's wow, dude. Yeah, I know. I looked that up and I was like, wow, you're going to work every day. You're doing shit. The only thing is like, well, make sure to come back to prison tonight. Is, is uh, Nicole and Shannon going to go with you? <laughs> when I go to the Guatemala <laughs> fucking Colombian prison for smuggling like, cocaine. And, she'd be like, I love you, but yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Nicole and fucking, she wouldn't go to prison with me. She'd be like, nah, dude, you're on your own. Oh, I'm like, come on, Shannon, man. They have a really cool baseball team in Columbia, <laughs> at Columbian Institution of fucking dipshits. Let's go. Uh, that's great. What else we got? I think we're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you want to, what are we going to do? What do you want to do for the intro? Did we do Pink Dog for... Uh, we, we did Pink Dog for... It was you and Fargo singing it for the other one. God damn it. Let me do Pink Dog again. I can't... That's the only one that I know... Off the... I haven't played Mug the Rapist yet. Oh, oh, I could play Japanese Squeeze. Okay. And get your guitar. I got, let me practice it a couple times. Okay. All right, Max, well, I think I got it. You got it? We still rolling? Yeah, it's still rolling. <laughs> she's not Chinese, she's Japanese and spends most of her time on her knees. And she loves me, I guess that's not bad. Even though I'd rather fuck my hand. Ooh. Oh, shit. Mexican, we'd go in my closet, put on my chaps again. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, I'm talking and I'm talking in Japanese. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, I'm talking and I'm talking in Japanese queen Yeah, 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 yeah Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, I'm talking and I'm talking in Japanese Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, She's my Japanese She's my Japanese queen She's my Japanese Japanese Yeah, 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 yeah.